For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to another episode of Strictly Business, the podcast in which we speak with some of the brightest minds working in the media business today. I'm Andrew Wallenstein with Variety. When the new animated series Space Jump premieres later this month, you won't be able to see it on a TV network or a streaming service. This show is powered by the blockchain, a new style of programming that counts my next guests as pioneers in this relatively new corner of the entertainment space. John Atanasio and Luisa Wong are the co-founders of the Web3 Story Studio, Toonstar. And if you want to know what on earth a Web3 Story Studio is, stick around. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. We are back John Atanasio and Lisa Wong, co-founders of Team Star. Thanks for coming in, guys. Thank you for having us. Uh, thanks for having us. Cool. So I want to start by noting that, you know, sometimes when we hear about these new ventures doing something super cutting edge, people make assumptions like, oh, these, you know, Johnny come lately's to Hollywood are trying to you both have quite the resume having worked on major franchises at various top studios like Warner Brothers, Disney, DreamWorks. So how did we get here? <laughs> how did you <laughs> get to this kind of cutting edge stuff? You know, the way we got here is that it's a, we, we met at, uh, we met at Warner Brothers uh, and we were in the, 
the digital media group there. And we were doing a lot of work really at the intersection of like technology and how tech was like impacting storytelling. Um, and we, you know, we saw and this will sort of like, you know, rewind back to like early days of web two. And, um, we saw what was like, we we're actually on the team that we were, uh, talking about the benefits of like YouTube and sort of this new like world and ecosystem where, where, you know, creators could directly connect with communities and, and tell stories. Um, and, and so, you know, that really opened our eyes to like, you know, this idea of that storytelling and the way, you know, creators and fans connect was, was changing. Uh, and I think the other thing that we noticed was that when we looked at the world of, of animation, it, it still really felt like this, a bit of like a private club. Um, I mean, how, in the sense of it, it felt like it was the same people, whether it was like writers, showrunners, you know, voice talent. Um, and, and we didn't see enough, you know, new, new storytellers, whether it was like, you know, new ideas, new, new concept or just diversity of storytellers. Um, and it was, and that was always weird to us. Cause like, you know, we were just like, you know, we, we call ourselves children of Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, you know, we just, we just love the, the medium of animation. We know, um, how powerful it is in terms of being a, a story, you know, telling, um, medium, but also how powerful it is in terms of building, you know, franchise IP. And it just, it was weird to us that more people didn't have access to, to the medium. Uh, and so I think you kind of combine those two things of like what was happening, you know, in, in sort of web two with this idea of like, you know, sort of unlocking animation for a new breed of storytellers. And that really was the inspiration for starting Toonstar. And, and that was, you know, we got the enough, you know, courage to, <laughs> to leave the corporate nest and, and, and start the company. And at the highest level, like that's, that's our mission is to build, you know, original entertainment IP um, using, you know, we started out in web two, now we're using web three, using new forms of technology to do it and really unlock, you know, unlock animation for a new, you know, new generation of, of, of storytellers. Well, I know it takes courage, but it also takes investment. And so Luisa, how are you guys able to get, uh, some pretty big investors to come in and, and bankroll this? Yeah. Um, I mean, we, so we have, um, we have some, you know, pretty notable investors. Uh, we, um, by our, our lead investor, Founders Fund, we also have Snapchat as uh, an investor, um, Great Croft and uh, Baron Davis, yeah. uh, also one of our investors. And, um, you know, like we really, yeah. among others, yeah. yeah. And, and I think we really, uh, you know, it was, it really took like building these like proof of concept cases to be able to like go out and demonstrate and show that, you know, this is, this is a category of like, you know, how do you build this like tech stack to be able to produce things um, in animation very quickly and be able to, you know, distribute that out into the marketplace. And at this time, at the, at that time in which we were raising, you know, it was very web two centric world. And so, we we basically built we self funded the um, kickstart to building the tech stack to then show that um, we had the technology to be able to do this like quick turn animation and um, we ended up distributing all of these like little vignettes in Instagram in Facebook and um, and and I think that's kind of like where it really really started to you know kind of demonstrate that wow, there's an appetite for original animated content shorts in social media. And then at the time, too, um, there was uh, Musical.ly, right? The pre-TikTok to, um, to the world Musical.ly. And we actually built as part of our tech stack um, this like live streaming, um, animated live streaming technology. And we had this uh, blue chicken named Poppy who ended up being this, you know, very big muser, as they call him. And we had a live show um, on Musical.ly that was getting, you know, over 100,000 concurrent viewers, um, you know, on the show at the time. And that was that was huge. And um, and I think that really kind of like moved us into, um, you know, like a lot of notice. And that's really kind of where we had our first round of investment. Yeah, that was like the that was like really the yeah, that was like the um, the the moment where venture, you know, really that, that, that yeah, that really took us, you know, started the venture path. And it was that, you know, OG, her name. Did you? Yeah. The, Poppy. The, yeah. Poppy. Yeah. So her name was Poppy. And she was 
you know, she was one of the first, um, she was one of the first animated influencers in social media. Uh, and just, she took off. And, um, and I think that, I think that really helped, um, it, it helped validate our thesis of, you know, Hey, there, there is, you know, you can build these characters direct with communities, um, in, you know, using technology and, and sort of new forms of st storytelling. And then I think to see the kind of audiences we were getting, you know, not only loving the character, but interacting with the character in, in different ways. And again, at that point it was like, it was primarily through, through social media. Um, I think that really was a point where everyone's like, yeah, this, there's something there. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So now that we've got the background down, let's fast forward to today where, you know, later this month, your, is it third web three series yeah. is coming out in form of yeah. space junk. Yeah. So how did you get from this sort of social media driven model to what you're doing now, which sounds pretty different. Yeah. No, I mean, so it's, it's like, um, I think for us, like the way we talk about it is that there were things that we learned in the, in the, like there were things that we learned and I think, uh, you know, capabilities and, and, you know, expertise, competencies that we honed in the web two world that are, you know, very applicable to web three. I think, you know, probably even more so potentially in web three than they were in, you know, in, in web two and social media. Um, and I think, you know, what happened is like, you know, we, we, we built this, this, you know, this production engine that, you know, can do high quality animation very quickly. Um, we have, you know, a lot of, you know, we have had a lot of reps um, building communities directly and large, you know, these are large communities in, in on social media and they're highly engaged communities. Uh, and so we had that, you know, that part of the expertise and then I think, you know, enter Web3 and, you know, we'll give, you know, give a, a lot of, you know, credit to, to Mila Kunis and her team because we saw, you know, what they did with, with Stoner Cats. Um, what and is Stoner Cats? So Stoner Cats, um, that was actually the, that was the, the first animated uh, series in Web3. Mm -hmm. um, we were the, you know, so, and, and basically we came along, partnered with Mila and then, and her team, and we were part of their second animated series. Um, and we, you know, we added first, like we actually, we were, um, the gimmicks is the first community driven animated series in web three, which is a little bit different than, than stoner cats. Um, but we just saw what they were doing with that project and we're like, wow, this is like, you know, such a great idea in terms of like this new, this new way to get fans involved in helping, you know, being part of IP, but also this new sort of form of distribution where you can, as a creator, have more control over your story, over your IP. You have ownership over that. Um, and to us, that was like, it, you know, that was very much aligned with sort of our DNA and our thesis when we launched the company. And again, when we launched Web3 didn't exist, but we saw, you know, and again, this is rewind. This is two years ago that we, we connected with them. Uh, and so we're like, oh, this is great. We pitched Mila and thankfully, you know, she and her team came on board as, you know, co-producers for the project. Um, and that's, that's really, you know, how, how our, our journey in Web3 started. But I think sort of beneath all that was just this idea of like, yeah, these things that we've built are a great fit for Web3. And in fact, I think they position us, you know, they're even, you know, they even position our company to do, um, I would say sort of next level type IP, IP building that we couldn't, you know, that we couldn't do in, in Web2. Um, and so I think that's, I think that was probably it where it's like, yes, this is a thing where, um, it's just a great fit for what we've built. And then we built, you know, over, I'd say over the last two years, um, built very deep web three, um, tech dev capabilities. So those are, those are things around building protocols on blockchains. And, you know, we built a social layer for the gimmick, which was, you know, we've, we've been told was the first social layer in web three. And those are all sort of like tech dev capabilities that we've spent, you know, the last two year, two years building out. Okay. So now let's pump the brakes for a second and give the most, explain it to their, my audience, like their six explanation of what we even mean here in terms of, you know, a web three powered piece of entertainment. I know you've got the, the community layer and, and all that, but I'm six years old, Louisa. Explain to me how, you know, I'm assuming Space Junk isn't as simple as, oh, I watch it on streaming service X or TV network Y. Mm -hmm. So starting with 
where do I access this show and what are the things that make this different than what I might see on a linear network? Sure. So um, in order to access the show, you simply go to the website, spacejunkies.xyz. And when you're there, there's actually a button that says episodes and you click on that and you'll be able to watch it. Um, It's not gated. So our projects are not gated. So you do not actually need to own a token in order to simply enjoy the show. So you would be able to enjoy the show just like you would be able to on television. You just go to the website. I don't pay. I don't know. Do I watch ads? Nope. Okay. It's there. So just so that experience, I think, will feel very familiar. You just go to that website and you'll be able to watch the episodes. And um, so that's, you know, very simple. Um, So the next step is if you're like, hey, I love this show. Now I'm interested in exploring. Like, so what does it mean to become part of the community? So when you think about, you know, again, the reference point of like uh, how people usually consume their shows, they're like, oh, my God, I. I love, you know, I love, I love Harry Potter, not a, not a show, but a movie, but okay. Mm-hmm. So I love Harry Potter and, and I'm, I'm such a fan now, you know, as a fan, I start to seek out other experiences in that, you know, in that particular, you know, IP. And so that's, you know, that's what we've built into that website is come watch the show. You love the show. You enjoy it. Well, okay. There are other experiences now go deeper and the going deeper will be we invite you to come create with us like what we what we know to be the case in these um a lot of these uh shows or like franchises is that people love to be able to you know come in and and you see like fan fiction being created well we've and and that's usually kind of like this like secondary layer that everyone kind of does on the side or maybe they all like you know go to other like apps or community boards and they'll just kind of do it on their own well in this case we've built that right into the actual experience it's like if you love it come grab a token come into the behind the scenes type of like uh, experience layer. And now what do you get access to? You get access to a lot of, um, you know, discussions from creators and the people who voice it, um, you know, it, like the get to see like the making of. And you also have the ability to create your own stories, create your own backstories to the token that you hold, because each token has, um, you know, basically a unique set of attributes that, you know, invite you to now create a story with it. But also monetization is coming in here. You are purchasing the NFT. Yes, you're purchasing the NFT. And that almost like it's it's your pass to have all of these other um activities, right? So you're you're able to create. Um, and for that, for that, you also have the ability to um jump into things like um weekly activities that some of them are contests to be able to have your stories like voted on in the um, winners of that, you know, contest will be able to have their stories or their characters invited into the main show and that they'll be able to voice a character in the show and be a part of um, an episode and get IMDb credit Hmm. in um, a production that, you know, stars John Heater, that stars Tony Cavallaro. Like, that's a pretty cool entry point into um, an industry where it's pretty difficult to break in and to just simply have, like, your name listed as part of the production in this, you know, in this real, you know, show. Now, is this the kind of thing, because, you know, obviously you're not alone out there, although not too crowded a space either in terms of people doing this kind of thing. But from what I've read and seen, uh, sometimes this model has to do with you, the viewer who has bought an NFT, you now have an ownership stake in this show. And is that this kind of model? Um, no, actually. So it's not an ownership stake in the show. So we're not, we don't position this as you're not becoming an investor in the show. The show is fully funded. It's being produced. It's, um, you know, it, the, the show's existence does not depend on the NFT holders to come in so that we pool enough resources in order to make the show. This is really more like, um, this is really like becoming this like VIP fan base that has all sorts of these like, you know, really great perks in it. Right. So it's like, uh, 
like joining the Soho house, right? Mm -hmm. There's there's some great perks of like you get access to this really great environment. You know, there's some concerts that are attached to it. You get to they they. So it's really like that. It's like this. If you love the show, well, come and be kind of like this next layer of um, a fan, um, a supporter, and you own this token. And for this token, you really get to go deeper into the creation process, being a part of the show. Um, there are, you know, like benefits of maybe being able to, you know, see things that maybe normally you would see at like a Comic-Con panel, like that sort of like more direct interaction with creators um, really um, and, and an outsized sort of even being able to vote on where the story goes. Um, these are all ways in which, you know, like that, you know, the, the, the fandom, the VIP fandom sort of like interacts. So the bottom line is you are basically getting this greater level of engagement than you would ordinarily. Yes. When we come back, we will talk a bit more about how this model works. We'll be back with John Atanasio and Lisa Wong. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you <laughs> in the forehead. <laughs> That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that! Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. back with the co-founders of the Web3 Story Studio, Toonstar, digging into an interesting business model. Uh, John, so now that I know that I, as the viewer, the fan, am not an owner, I'm curious, from the Toonstar perspective, are you the owner? Are you the creator? What, what's, how do you make money? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, from, from an, so Toonstar, we are the owner, along with you know, whoever, you know, is, is participating in the project. So, you know, in the case of space junk, it's, you know, we, we, we own it along with, um, you know, uh, John heater and Tony Cavallero and, and Dominic Russo, who's the creator of, of the, the world. Um, he's from, he did workaholics. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. So he, he, uh, he created workaholics and so he, and, and he's the creator of space junk. Um, and, and, and so, you know, the, the, the people that are, you know, owners in that IP, um, or have, you know, a stake in that IP, that's, that, that's, you know, how we, we've structured it. Um, now there, there is this other sort of aspect to it where, um, and, you know, this is, I don't, you know, too abstract of a concept, but we, we like this notion of like, we, we, we talk a lot about like this idea of like nature versus nurture. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a little bit of this idea with like, you know, the, like these tokens or NFTs, where it's like, there's like a rare, you know, you get this thing and it's like rare and it's like, how rare is it? And that determines its value. And that's okay. And that's a, that's a fine sort of like, you know, concept. That's how most people understand the NFT market. Yeah, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's how most people think about it. But, but, you know, and, and that's fine. And like, you know, when we, when we do stuff, there is inherent rare, you know, at least in the gimmicks, the way we did it, there was inherent rarity in, you know, some of the, you know, the, the NFTs had like a, you know, different types of rarity. Um, but there's this other aspect that we really like, and it and it's really like the the nurture part of it. And and the idea there is like, you know, allow the community through your effort, through your creativity, through participation, you actually can can become part of the world. And and that's through something that you've done. So it's not a lot like that's not a lottery ticket. That's actually you know work and creativity that you've you've contributed to the community. And, and we like that idea. And that's what we did with the gimmicks. That's the same thing we're doing with Space Junk, where it's like you, you, have, that, you have that token. You can actually work your way in to the main canon. Because if you write a, 
a backstory or you create fan fiction that the entire community loves enough to vote you as like the coolest thing, then we'll actually bring that into the core canon of the world. And now all of a sudden you do have a piece of, of, you know, what's being created. So it's, it's basically, we've created this opportunity for the community to earn their way in mm -hmm. to sort of the, the core canon. Uh, and we just love that concept because it is like, you know, it's not just, again, it's like, it's, it's through people's sort of effort and merit. And it's also through like these really cool and different ways to participate, um, which we just think, you know, we, ju we just feel like audiences today, behaviors changed and there's an expectation to engage more with content and stories and participate in different ways. And that's certainly, you know, um, prevalent in, in younger generations, but I think that's also, you know, older generations have, have sort of learned that too, a lot through sort of like have been trained through social media. Um, but we, we see that as a trend. And I think for us, it's like, all right, how do we sort of lean into that and give the community those kind of, you know, those kind of opportunities. So I, I get what you're saying in theory, but yeah. I, going back to the economics of what you're doing, I wonder when you're hatching brand new IP and you're doing it at a place that is not a destination, like a streaming service, how are you able to get enough people in the tent to experience all this? Mm -hmm to make this profitable. Yeah. 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 So, um, so a couple things, I think, you know, where we have, um, so our, our tech stack does enable us to create and produce at, um, a much lower, much lower cost, cost basis. So, um, so that in, in and of itself, just, um, from an economic standpoint puts us in, um, a little bit of, um, a different category in terms of we're not looking at an episode costing millions of dollars, right? So that's, um, that's definitely, you know, that benefit. Um, and so that's really kind of like, I guess, you know, like our, our, sort of like how we're able to make it work where you don't need to have millions of eyeballs on a piece of um, a piece of content is just simply you know it's as simple as that it does not cost us as much as you would in the traditional sort of like model and so and then yes you have you know the nft um paying members of the you know, nft um base that are you know, going to be, you know, buying into it and, and contributing to that. So that, you know, obviously that becomes a revenue model. Then the other, then the other side of it is that, you know, creating that sort of like um, community. Um, there are, you know, now you have like a very avid fan base in which brands become interested in being able to come and be, you know, sponsors of like, say, specific shows or like, you know, having product placement in there. So um, the economic model isn't significantly different in terms of like, hey, there are these advertising models. Now it looks a little different in Web3 because you have a smaller base, but avid fan base that also has direct reach. And because of the lower cost structure, now you're able to really kind of shape and look at like the economic model of how you make this work isn't all of a sudden this like huge behemoth that has a lot of um sunk cost structures yeah. that will then you know sort of say that that was kind of the big hurdle in animation in the past it's like to green light anything you sort of have to work through that you know excel spreadsheet and say all right i gotta make sure to hit x in order to even clear that profitability threshold to say yes i'm going to do this you know episode or do this series um that's you know changed for us significantly because of the tech stack that we built and because of now you have these um different ways in which you have monetization where you can you know you have merch that you have avid fan base that has much higher conversion right so you have conversion when you look at the broad base of um like you know the 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 TV sort of like shows, well, you have millions of eyeballs and maybe you're converting 1% to buying a t-shirt. That looks significantly different when you're talking about um, a web-based NFT enhanced project because these guys are such huge fans. Like you're, you're basically going for, you, do you have um, a million casual fans or do you have, you know, 10,000 rabid fans? And yeah. that's kind of the yeah. dynamic that we're now looking at and, and really kind of reshaping how we think about fandom, how we think about economic models of these, like you, you almost become like these like pockets of like 
smaller businesses that are built around these like IPs that have the potential of even of scaling, but smaller is still sustainable. And how do you sell, John, someone, you know, like uh, someone creative from Workaholics to join you on this? What's the incentive there? Yeah. I mean, you know, so I think, um, you know, part of it is, um, you know, the, the, there, there are sort of like trends in, in Hollywood right now that, that I think make it, you know, honestly make it easier. Um, one is that, you know, it, it, it's, you know, and you can see, especially what's, you know, sort of happening now, there are a lot of productions that, you know, are getting, you know, canceled, halted, um, things, you know, will sit in development for extended periods of time. Um, it's just getting harder and harder to get something made in the traditional system. Um, I, you know, I think another part of it is, you know, there's, there's a control and ownership aspect to it as well, because if, you know, say you are able to, you know, sort of get something, at least maybe in a development, a lot of times you might lose creative control. Um, you know, the, the ownership that, you know, the real ownership that you have and what you created, um, you know, might not really be commensurate for, you know, what you probably should get for creating, you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a, you know, a, like a hit, a hit concept. Um, and so I think those, I think those trends are, you know, now you've got storytellers and creators that are, you know, honestly challenged, frustrated, and they're looking for other ways to get stories made, get their stories told, have the control, have ownership. Um, and honestly, I think it's a pretty, you know, I don't know, but um, we're, we're obviously, but we're, you know, we're biased, but I think it's, it's a fairly easy, you know, sort of like pitch um, because it's like, listen, we're, you know, here's a way to go do this. Um, and then the other part of it, I think, you know, if you talk to people that have worked with us, they, you know, I think one of the things that we're proud of is that like, they'll say, Hey, like stuff happens, stuff gets made. And I think that's probably one of the themes. If you, you know, if you were to talk to, you know, all the, the creatives that we've worked with, it's like, yeah, they stuff's happening, stuff's getting made. And like, you think about that and it's such, uh, such a basic concept. It's, it's, it, it, but that's how things should happen. Like things should get made, things should you know, progress, um, because that's the business, you know, that we're in. Um, Let's also, let's not forget, we're sitting here having this conversation during the first week of the writer's strike. (laughs) Frustration is probably at a maximum. And I'm, I'm, this is not a joking question. Does those, does that create a market circumstance that helps you guys because people are going to be looking for opportunities or are you hemmed in by the strike somehow or? I mean, I think, you know, it's we're I I think that, you know, for us, we've always sort of, you know, been the place where we're like if creators like want to create and they want to, you know, make stuff like we're we're we, we say we're the place to come and be like, you want you have an animated idea like like come and talk to us because you know, we're, we're going to be producing and we're going to be moving things forward. Cause I think that, you know, you talk about the frustration that happens and, you know, like the, the strike is obviously a very serious matter and it, you know, has a lot of implications. Um, and, and I think like, if you talk to Dom, um, one of the things that, you know, like he's, uh, you know, he said to us, like, you know, more than a few times is like, like, it's unbelievable. You come into this industry as a writer um, and you hear stories like he tells the stories and, you know, like other folks that we've worked with have told the stories like the thing that is that that you never expect that you that you're very quickly like surprised by is that um, you spend a lot of your career waiting. You're waiting for your, years. you know, your yeah. year yeah. years yeah. for your series to, you know, come out of development in which you're just, you know, kind of like long stretches of times of like, oh, we're going to meet and we're going to talk about like maybe making the show. And then we're going to, we're going to pause and wait again. And, and, you know, there's like just more consideration. And and so you spend so much time just waiting to see if something's going to happen. And so, you know, for us, we're like writer strike or no writer strike, who we are as a company is like, we're not, we're not sitting and waiting because our inherent DNA, and I guess this is the benefit of being really 
you know, our DNA is like we're, we're tech and creative, but we are still a tech company. And as a tech company, the thing that you don't get with a tech company is like you can't as a tech company sit and wait. It's like you have to build stuff. You have to put it out there. And, you know, this, you know, very tech centric thing is like you got to iterate, right? You got to put it out and you're going to iterate and you're going to make the next version. You're going to make the next version of the product. And that's really part of the tech DNA that we have that's moved into our creative process in our creative collaborations is that you can't wait to make stuff. And, and that's really kind of like for us, like, with or without the writer's strike, at the end of the day, it's like if you're a creator who, who you see like speed is important to you and you want to put your product out there and you want your stories to be made and stories to be told, like we, we should be, um, we, we, you should be having a meeting with us. I'm curious to get your sense of the NFT marketplace right now, uh, particular to it being also a place for entertainment. Um, feels like, you know, we've in the past 12 months gone on quite a, a roller coaster ride where <laughs> NFTs were the hottest thing. Yeah, and then yes. that roller coaster came way down, yes. maybe coming a little bit back up again. But, yes. you know, it kind of raises the question for me, like, is the, you know, are you attaching yourself to a distribution system that for all its theoretical promise, yeah. the market may not necessarily ever pan out in the way that you think it will? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. You're right. I, I think there's there's a, it's, it's almost an image. It's an image makeover, I think, in general, that like NFTs and, and Web 3s need, um, partly because I think the associations and, and you know, like I, I, you know, I'll say like this is not just a Web 3 thing. This is like, you know, we saw certainly what happened with FTX, but, you know, there's a banking, you know, you know, SVB was a different that's separate from Web, you know, Parts of it separate from Web3. So there are things that just happen where you have bad actors in general, right? Like you look through the history of, of anything and you're always going to have bad actors. Um, Web3 is no different. Like there are bad actors clearly, um, you know, cast cast a little bit of a, you know, certainly a haze on 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 the potential. Um, but 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 I think what what people and this is what we what we're trying to do, because I think, you know, because we are you know, we're committed to, we're committed to web three, we're committed to, you know, AI technology. Um, and, and for us, we believe in it and we believe in its potential. So, and because we are, you know, hopefully trailblazing and, and pioneering some, some cool new stuff, then it's incumbent on us to help educate and, and sort of carry messages. Like, what does this really mean? And I think the challenge for web three today is that, you know, people don't, know what it really means or they they've gotten caught up in like oh it's an asset that i flip and it's you know it's all about like speculation um and and they don't understand the utility of what web3 is and how web3 really can sort of elevate storytelling building characters community experiences all those things and that 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 is real that's real potential for web3 but you know, I don't think anybody really understands that. And I think the problem is we're also getting caught up in like terms and we're talking about it too, too technically. And it's like, put all that stuff aside. Like, let's just talk about it. And like, you know, and again, like Louisa and, and myself, our, our background, you know, is entertainment. It is working at, you know, studios. And we've been fortunate to work on some, you know, giant, you know, franchise IP. It's about the story. It's about the characters. It's about the creators, the people behind it. Make it about that and then have Web3 be, you know, sort of the backbone to this. And that shouldn't be the headline, but it it should be there. And if you lean into it, it's going to create all sorts of possibilities. Um, but I don't think that should be the focus of the narrative because it's just, you know, it's, 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 I think it's overcomplicating things. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, like the thing that just, uh, you know, we said, don't talk about the technical. I'm going to talk about the technical <laughs> for a minute. I'm going to talk about the technical right? for a minute. Um, there's, there's NFTs, um, and then there's web three, right? So you have like, we're excited by the web three, you know, technology and infrastructure and what it's going to do for, um, for distribution, for, you know, for production, for, for, you know, story creation, because at the end of the day, like, um, I guess, you know, like I'll give an analogy, like when you have, um, or, or an example, not an analogy, but like if you are a fan base of like anything that's out there, like, you know, usually like these, um, these big 
projects. They usually have like, oh, these like fan experiences that they create. And it's usually like, you know, an agency creates a fan experience and it's great. And people are like, oh, this is so exciting, so fun. And then when, you know, kind of like the the movie inherently sort of like, you know, goes out of theaters and, and you know, moves into different cycles of that, you know, what happens to that fan experience? Because that's usually being run by an agency that's been tasked to create this sort of like, you know, other experience to go along in the companion of the release of the movie, well, you know, the studio stops paying the bills and then the agency is like, okay, cool. Well, we're done with that experience. And then it's probably either shut down or they just kind of like leave it there and it's in some like digital wasteland. And as a fan, what happens? It's like, well, if I like really love this experience and I've like invested time in, let's say, the story creation you know, our story creation portal was part of that experience. Well, if the agency shuts down or stops, you know, managing it, it basically just kind of sits there and flounders. And I'm like, as a fan, well, what if I spent five, 10, 20, 100 hours creating this and I really loved it. And all of a sudden it's like, wait, it amounted to nothing. And, And to us, it's like, we also have to really kind of think about our responsibility to what fans invest in the experience. Because even if they don't give you a ton of money, the thing that they're also giving you is a lot of time and attention. And that is what Web3 is going to inherently change about that is like that in the Web3 ecosystem won't go away, can't go away because of smart contracts. So even if somebody's like, okay, I'm not actively administrating anymore, you don't need someone actively administrating it because it is now powered by a smart contract and it will not go away. It's just, it's forever locked and automated so that if a fan wants to forever have that experience, they can. And that's the beauty of it is like, it's like as long as there's a fandom around it, it will self-perpetuate and it won't go away. It's not like this marketing vehicle that then all of a sudden like, oh, bills get bills stop. Well, OK, no, now it's digital wasteland. So I want to get a sense of what your long term vision is here for not just your company, but for Web3 Entertainment. So in other words, are you guys counting on a world where. Web3 takes over and the old distribution models crumble or no, nah, you know, Web3 will just be sitting there alongside everyone else and it'll be one other thing you do. I just, how, yeah. how, how much Kool-Aid am I drinking? Let's get that. <laughs> right. How much, what's the level yeah. of, right? It's not, um, you know, like I, it's never going to be something that's going to like, you know, like it's not about like destroying like old institutions or right? it's 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 always going to be this like it's additive. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I think it's like I think it's complimentary. I mean, we're um, we're we're seeing it as a as a springboard, you know, for original, you know, original ideas um, for, you know, new diverse creators. Uh, also, you know, for creators that have had success in traditional that, you know, want to do something original. Cause I think that's the other part is like, you know, your, your earlier question of like how, like why, um, you know, why are we able to sort of like work with some of, you know, like the amazing, you know, sort of like creators and talent that we are. I think, you know, another reason is like there, there is like, you know, prequel sequel reboot fatigue and, and, you know, this, and, you know, and again, like we come from that world and understand why that is happening doesn't change effect that's a, that's that's the state of play and and so if everything's a prequel sequel reboot where do i go with my original idea and i think that's what we're seeing web3 as like here here hopefully is the birthplace the springboard for original ideas original ip again you know new diverse storytellers also you know traditional folks that have had a lot of success and use that as a springboard uh you know to louisa's point you get your you know your rabid fans are in there they're sort of building the ip and, and then from there, it's absolutely complementary to why couldn't it then go to a streamer eventually? Why couldn't it, you know, become a film? And I think I think that traditional system is complementary to to Web three. I don't I don't think it's an either or. And I do think future state, you're you're going to see, you know, much more of a fluid, you know, you're gonna you're you're gonna see much more uh, of a fluid sort of like relationship between you know traditional and and, and Web three. 
I don't want to skip the fact that another distinction about space junk is you are going to have the first character voiced entirely <laughs> by an AI voice generated software, which sounds great, but let's what exactly does that mean? Is this character writing its own dialogue uh, or speaking your dialogue that you've written? How does that work? Yeah. So um, I'm sorry, Andy. <laughs> I'm afraid. I can't do that. <laughs> For those who don't know what that reference is. I had was. to. I had to. I'm 2001. Sorry, Continue, Lisa. <laughs> so, um, yes, the character's name is Welbecca. And so in the show, she is performing the lines that um, have been written by, um, by, by Dominic Russo. And so, so in, in the show itself, she's, uh, she's fully... Uh, AI generated voice. Um, so this is there's a distinction. There's you know the voice cloning technology where it's based on somebody's performance, and then there's you know full AI voice generation. So you know kind of literally created in a lab. Um, so she's performing. She's performing the lines, and she's she's an AI actor. Um, and yeah, so that's her sort of in the show. Now outside of the show, um, our our social media is actually being run by Welbecca and the social media posts and the social media interactions that are being had um, is actually completely generated through um, AI engines. And then there's the, well, and then the, the creative co-pilot. Yes. It. So the other, the other, you know, I think really cool thing about Welbecca is then, you know, so th those are, you know, those examples are on, you know, sort of on the production side, but then we're also using Welbecca, um, on the community facing side where she's going to be um, essentially your creative co-pilot. So if you're in the community mm -hmm. and you want to go, you know, write a write fan fiction for a character or a concept within the space junk universe, you're going to go to Welbecca and she's going to help you come up with, you know, fan fiction. Mm -hmm. uh, so now, you know, again, so she sort of becomes like your, you know, your, 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 yeah, your creative assistant, your creative co-pilot mm -hmm. um, to, to help you make, make things mm -hmm. as a, as a community member. At the risk of, of falling off the cutting edge here, <laughs> I, I have to ask. So we're, we stand now at, you know, the beginning of a whole new era when it comes to AI, uh, generative AI, what it can mean to the creative process. My guess is you guys, are thinking a lot about this stuff. Yes. Yeah. Do you have at this early sense of the game what you think this will mean for your company or the industry at large? We're we we're That's super big question. Big question. <laughs> That's a big question. Yeah. I mean, we're super excited. You have another by hour. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. I mean, so we've been we've been for a long time actually using AI um, in in the production pipeline um, through machine learning. Um, so, and then this is, you know, this is our first foray into a more community facing, um, experience and, and then obviously as like a actual performer in, in a show, um, the way that we see AI and, and, you know, kind of everything that we sort of do so far is like AI is a great tool for, um, creators, for, um, you know, for people in the creative industry, because, it's a way to be able to supercharge um, a lot of like idea creation, um, being able to help you, you know, generate proof of concepts to just even see like, is this a direction that I want to take with something? Um, so, so for us, we're super, super excited by now it feels like the ability to, you know, get even more creative and to experiment with things that maybe, you know, might've taken us, you know, weeks can be synthesized in days and um, we're excited by, you know, you, you take creators, it's like, hey, creators have like so many ideas that, that all of a sudden they can sort of say, hey, like, what does this idea look like? Like, please synthesize it for me. And now what AI does is like it helps you kind of get like 50, 60, 70 percent there. Yeah. It's never going to be able to, you know, like yeah. we've all seen the headlines, right? It's like, oh, it's going to write the next, you know, succession. It's not. It's not. Yeah. it's not. But I think, and I think that's like, the, and I think that is the misconception because it's not like, listen, AI is not a button you hit and out pops Harry Potter. Like that's just, that's not, you know, <laughs> that's not how it works. But, but it is this like, it really is this like great tool assistant 
you know, creative co-pilot. I, I think that yeah. is a good sort of like way to think about it that does supercharge you as, as a creator. And, and when you see what comes out, it, do, it can do a, a, a good, good portion of the heavy lifting. And, you know, to Luis's point, maybe get you 40, 50, 60% there, but then the rest, you know, if you, if you really want quality output, mm-hmm. something that fans are going to like love and, and, you know, like, and want to interact with, you're going to have to, you're going to have to lean in and do that. Like, yeah. that's just, that's the, the human element, mm-hmm. but it is, you know, a combination of both. It does like, and we, and, you know, to Luis's point also, like we've been using it on the production side for years and there are some, some, it's been really, it's been really helpful. And I think that, you know, I think longer term, it is going to create new opportunities. Now, I, I think there's also a part of where people are going to have to rethink what they do mm-hmm. and there's going to be transformation. There's going to be transition. There, there's no doubt. Mm-hmm. But I think longer term, there are going to be new sort of like opportunities that that are created by this. But it's just going to be a matter of like thinking about things differently. And I think the hope is like it's it's going to free up people to be more creative, like like spend your time on things that are, are, are you know, like original artistry or like pure creation. And that's where hopefully people can spend their time and, and, you know, spend, you know, yeah, spend more of their, um, their, 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 their work on, on those kind of activities. Well, there's a lot of, uh, quite a ferment on the innovative <laughs> side of Hollywood, Hollywood these days. And, uh, you guys are clearly, uh, playing in this playground space junk, Starts May 19th. If you want to check out the future of entertainment, get in early, get an NFT. Thank you, John Lisa, for coming in today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks a lot for having us. This has been another episode of Strictly Business. Tune in next week for another helping of scintillating conversation with media movers and shakers. And please make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear future episodes. Also, leave a review in Apple Podcasts and let us know how we're doing. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand, when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.